Thank you for listening to the Calvary Church Podcast. If this ministry has been a blessing to you, would you let us know? Send an email to toledocalvary.org. We would love to hear what God is doing in your life today. Well, we want to welcome those of you that are joining us, whether you're here in the room or you're watching online or by way of television. Thanks for joining us for this service today. In just a few moments, we're going to share in communion together. So I'd encourage you to find something that you can join us with, something that would represent uh, the bread and the cup for that time together. And we will come to the Lord's table here in just a few moments. I remember, man, this is going back 10 plus years for sure. A lot of you would remember our friend, Pastor Bill McGinnis, who served on staff here at Calvary for over 30 years and a couple of years ago left to pastor a church in Arkansas. And uh, Pastor Bill's a good friend. I even just spoke with him just earlier this week. And I was remembering a story of, of one time there was a funeral that he and I were both a part of. And uh, we were on our way to the cemetery and they had just gotten a new car for their daughter, a different car for their daughter. And uh, it was driving that and, and he was driving. And I was sitting in the passenger seat. The funeral service was over and we were on our way to the cemetery. And as we were driving and we were going to uh, Ottawa Hills, as we were on our way up there by the mall, as we're driving, we kept hearing this sound. And we both got real nervous because we were like, what, what is that sound? I mean, it was clear, it was distinct and you would hear it when the car was moving and then when the car would stop, you wouldn't hear it. He's like, man, we just got this car. Is there something wrong with it? And we're driving. You know, we're going down Burn Road. We're going down Secord. And we got to one red light. You know, when you're in a funeral procession, you're, just, you're moving, and the, the clergy member's car is always right up near the front. And we got to one red light. Pastor Bill's like, I got to figure out what's going on. You know, he jumps out, and he just kind of looks around at the red light, jumps back in. He goes, I don't know. I don't know what's happening, you know. And we're, as we're going, and we get all the way up to the cemetery, and when we get up, he jumps out one side, I jump out the other. We got just a minute before we have to move over towards the, the, the graveside, and we're looking around trying to figure out, is there, is there something rubbing on the tires? Or what's, what's this noise? What is it? We couldn't figure it out. And then graveside service was done. We got back in the car, and we drive home, and nothing. Like, we don't hear the sound at all. And all of a sudden, we're about halfway home when it hits one of us. You know those flags they put on the top of your car in a funeral procession? <laughs> It was making this noise. And us two Einsteins could not figure out what it was. In fact, if I remember right, Pastor Bill's wife, Janie, very lovingly said to him afterwards, Bill, you two are a couple of idiots. That I remember as the exact quote, right? Because sometimes you, you just feel foolish when you can't make a connection between two things. Sometimes there's something that affects you in your life in some way, and if you don't realize what that connection is, you end up kind of feeling foolish, and you miss out on what really could happen there. We've been talking about this idea of blessing in Scripture, and up until this point, we've been talking primarily about spiritual blessing, right? We've talked about how we receive the blessing. We've, we've prayed for blessing in our lives. We've talked about how there is, there's blessing in unity Today I wanna to talk a little bit, not just about spiritual blessing, but about physical blessing. And I, and I want you to see a, a direct connection in the same way that there was a direct connection between the noise and the flag, and I missed it. There's a direct connection between blessing in scripture and something that you and I are called to do. And if we're not careful, we'll miss it. And if we miss it, we'll not only be foolish, but we will miss out on some real things in our lives. Scripture makes a direct connection between finances and blessing. 
over and over again, when we look at scripture and we talk about this idea of blessing, there is a direct connection between our finances, between the things that God entrusts us with. We're gonna talk about our treasure tonight. Now, some of this are, are the talents that you have. They're your time, they're your resources. They're things that God entrusts to you. But we're also gonna look specifically at the idea of our finances. And there's a direct connection between finances and blessing. I wanna talk about how to be good stewards of your resources, of the things that God gives to you. Because scripture ties your level of obedience to the blessing that God can pour into your life. It will make it just very clear. Your giving affects your blessing. <laughs> your giving affects your blessing. At which point, some of you go, he's become a TV preacher. Right, you know it at some point, they're gonna talk about money in church. And this comes up, and look, this isn't a TV slogan. This isn't something to try to, to wring some more money out of people. I really do believe this is a scriptural reality that your giving affects your blessing. And I wanna show you just simply from scripture tonight, places where these two ideas are tied together. Maybe no more clearly than 2 Corinthians chapter nine, verse six. Let's look at what it says. Paul says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. And so you see there that there is this idea about how we give and how God will bless us, and these two ideas are tied together. We're in a series about blessing, and the reason we're going to talk about giving today is because we cannot talk about blessing without talking about giving. Like, like the two are connected in Scripture, and we see them so clearly and Paul also makes it very clear that he wants those believers that he's writing to in 2 Corinthians to understand this key principle of giving. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 7, he says this, Since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love we've kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. So we're gonna talk about this idea of giving today and how important it is as we follow the Lord. I wanna put it in perspective of who we are as a church. If you're new to Calvary, say in the last year, then one of the things that we talk about from time to time is who we are and what really matters to us. And if you were with us back last February, we really took some time to talk about this and unpack this and no, this is not broccoli, that's a tree, amen? Right, And we've talked about our vision and who we are as a church from the aspect of a tree and how it's fruitful and how it grows. And what I wanna look at tonight is when we talk about our core values or about the things that really matter to us as a church, we refer to them as our roots. If you go back to scripture, Jeremiah chapter 17, it talks about how when a tree is rooted, then it's fruitful, then it's prosperous, then it, then it grows. And we're gonna take some time, and what I wanna do is I wanna review these roots, these things that really matter to us, and in reviewing them, I want to talk about this aspect of giving and show you how giving and blessing ties directly into who we are as a church. So, so let's look at these roots for these next few moments here today. The, the first one that we talk about and that we look at is the idea, and we express it simply by saying that God is first that we put God 
First, in everything we do, as a church, as individuals, we live our lives in a way that shows that God has the first place. He is the very heart of who we are. As a, as a corporate body, as a church, and in our own personal lives, we put God first. Now, if that's true, then we need to consider and think about what that means to this idea of giving. First, blessing comes from God. If you are blessed in any way, if he has poured that blessing out, if you have a resource, let's call that your talent, let's call that your abilities, we'll call that opportunity, and we'll call it your finances. If you have it, that blessing comes from God. We see this really clearly in 1 Chronicles chapter 29. This is David, and he's raising funds to build the temple. And when he does, he says this. This is a prayer he prays to God. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. Now, our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you, and we've given you only what comes from your hand. He makes it so clear. If you have wealth and honor, it comes from God. If you're able to give it all, it comes from him. Everything that we have comes from him. And when we talk about that concept, we often use the word stewardship to describe what we mean when we talk about giving. See, everything that we have comes from God. Scripture shows that clearly. This is just one example. But in taking that further, that means that if what I have comes from him, then he's entrusted it to me and he wants me to be a steward of those things. Stewardship is understanding that everything we have has been entrusted to us by God. So that means that the things that I have, the things that I possess, all those things have been entrusted to me from God. So, so break that down and think about it for a moment. Your paycheck, it comes to you from God. He's entrusted that to you. Your resources, your, your assets, your house, your car, like literally everything that you have, ultimately the source of that, if we're honest with ourselves, that all comes to us from God. I think this fits also when we think about things like our jobs. That job is from God in this moment for us to steward. It's certainly true if you're a parent or grandparent, that that relationship that you have with that child, you are a steward of that. God has entrusted that life to you to, to shape it and to lead it to Christ. We are all stewards of, of so many different things and we have to understand that everything we have belongs to God and he's only entrusted it to us for us to steward. Now, if you take that whole concept one more step, that means that if you recognize that it's all from God, then you also recognize that it's right to give it back to God, to entrust it to him, and know that God will care for you even in those moments. Look at this, Psalm 37, verse 25. This is a powerful scripture. David writes, I was young and now I'm old, yet I've never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging bread. They are always generous and lend freely. Their children will be, and there's that word again, their children will be a, <laughs> and you see this direct connection between generosity and blessing. You see this direct connection between those who entrust what they have to God and the fact that he never forsakes them. He never leaves them without what they need. Now look, I know I'm, I'm, I'm oversimplifying this, but this helps me to understand it. God will bless you when you bless God. When you entrust what you have to him, 
then he can entrust, and we'll see this in a moment, he can entrust more to you. God will bless you when you bless God. It comes when you're willing to say, God, I'm gonna put you first in my life. God, I'm gonna make you first place. I'm gonna make you the first thing. God, I'm gonna trust this to you. God will bless you when you bless God. Now let's, let's get something out on the table real quick. This is not manipulation. Like this is not some kind of prosperity gospel that says if you'll just say the right things or believe the right things or kind of hold a gun to God's head and say, God, you owe me this. God doesn't owe you anything. This is a principle that he has set up and he wants us to see, and we, we've seen this repeatedly in this series, that he wants to bless us but the way that he can freely bless us is for us to be willing to take what we have and if you will, bless him, honor him, obey him, give those things back to him. Let me show you another passage, Malachi chapter three. This is kind of a, a classic passage on this idea of connecting blessing to giving. Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me, God says. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings, you are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. Anybody up for more blessing than you can handle? <laughs> Anybody? Like, I want that in my life. I want to receive God's blessing. And God makes it very clear here how this plays out. Now, one of the concepts that's good for us to talk about here is what does he mean when he talks about the tithe? He, he says here several times in tithes, and he talks about the tithe. The tithe is the first 10% of what you receive given back to God as an act of worship. So whatever you receive, whatever God gives to you, that first 10%, you give it back to him, it's an act of worship. What we believe scripture teaches that you take that first 10% and you give it back in, in this passage to the storehouse, to your local church, to the place where you find your spiritual home in those places, and that's the tithe. If you're wondering how you can begin to honor God with your finances, if you wanna know what it means to take that first step to connect the idea of giving and blessing, the first step, scripture says, is the tithe that giving back to the local church. And this is important for us. Now, and there's a couple thoughts. When you see 10%, you say, Chad, that's a lot of money. <laughs> like if you're not used to doing that, if that's not a pattern and a practice in your life, then you kind of say, man, that's a lot. And I would say, you're right. Yeah, if, if you just have a dollar, you lose a dime. It's not that big of a deal. But if you have $100 and you lose 10, it feels a little worse. If you have $1,000 and you give God 100, that feels even more. Like you start to feel it more, right, in those moments. And so you say, that seems like a lot. But here's what I've found in my life. I'm not afraid to talk about this because those of you that have lived this principle, and I could use a little help here if you don't mind. Those of you who've lived this principle has found that it's true that when you entrust it to God, it opens up the door for blessing in your life. True? Anybody with me? <laughs> right? That's something that we see and that we watch happen. Now, here's, here's the deal. Some of you are sitting there and says, Chad, it makes sense that you would say this because you work for a church. No tithe, no paycheck, right? So I get that you might go, don't you have an ulterior motive there, brother? Look, here's, here's why I bring this up. Look, God's word tells us that God's blessing is given to God's people when they give God's 
way. I want you to see here that this is not my idea. Do you recognize who idea it is? <laughs> it's God's. And his word tells us that his blessing is given to his people when they do things his way. This isn't my idea. This is God's. So if that passage of scripture so directly ties how we give to God with how we're blessed and even how we're cursed, then my question for you is when you look at your finances, are you living and giving in a way that God can bless you or curse you? I'm asking you to, to think about that using God's words, using his idea. When you look at your finances, when you look at your time, when you look at the resources that you have from him, are you living and giving in a way that sets you up to receive God's blessing or curse? So I can't help but think that some of you are, are probably there and you're, you're thinking to yourself, okay, Chad, you asking this because you need money? The answer is no and yes. <laughs> Right? No, I, I'm not preaching this because we need money. I'm preaching it because it's biblical. You know, as a pastor, I've tried to make it my practice not to be talking about money all the time. We talk about money in the same way that scripture talks about money. And when I did a study of this idea of blessing, it became very clear that you can't separate what God's word says about blessing from what it says about giving. And so if we're gonna talk about this, if we're gonna teach about this, then this idea of blessing, then we need to talk about this idea of giving as well. So no, not preaching this because we need money, but yes, I am. Here's why. Because ministry requires money. If the church is going to operate and do what God has created us to do, then the way that he has done that is through his people and their giving being able to support the church. Many of you have, have so graciously asked me over the course of these last 10 months or so, hey, how's the church doing financially? Like with real concern, not just curiosity or gossip. Like you've wanted to know where are we at as a church? And I'm very thankful to tell you that we're in a great spot. It was a weird financial year. Anybody else been through a pandemic before? <laughs> well, it was a weird financial year, but we finished 2020 ahead of budget with our giving. Giving has been steady, especially for living in a pandemic. We've been able to um, even build up some of our savings. We are so thankful that God is good, so thankful that you are faithful. And I just want to, whether you're in this room or you're watching online or TV, thank you, thank you, thank you for your continued faithfulness that has continued to allow the church to move forward and minister to people, reach out to our community, uh, supply for what's happening around the world in this season that's been so weird. But, but I'd also tell you that in some ways, in the last four months, I've started to see a pattern. I've started to see that giving is steady, but it, it's kind of starting to have this little drift to it. Like God's faithful, our needs are met. But I think it's starting to become easy for many of us to not give in this weird season. Now look, I've already told you, we're fine right now. The church is in a good spot and I don't see a pattern that we're scared about. I'm actually, as I talk about this, probably more concerned for you than I am the church. If you've heard me talk about this idea of giving before, one of the things that always crosses my mind is I wish I could preach this in a church I do not pastor. Because I believe this, and I want God's people to know this, 
And sometimes if you're hearing this and and you've not been familiar with or obedient to these principles in scripture, it's easy for you to say, well, Chad just says this because he wants Calvary to have more money. No, I say this because as a pastor, I want you to live in his blessing. That's why we're talking about this idea of blessing. And you can't have blessing separated from this idea of giving. Here's the reality. You cannot outgive God. And when you entrust what you have to him, there's a blessing going on in your life. Every so often, I don't don't get a lot of headaches, but I'll get one from time to time for whatever reason. And oftentimes I'll I'll just say to Rhonda, well, I just, I don't know, I just have a a headache. And she just kind of has gotten to the point where she looks at me and basically kind of says, well, did that pain medicine you didn't take help? Like she knows I probably didn't take the, the Tylenol or the Advil or whatever. If you got a headache, do something about it. Have you ever been in your house and you're just cold and you go, man, I'm just cold in here. You almost complain about it. It's cold in here. When you just say, hey, go and turn up the thermostat. <laughs> Look, the reason I share this is because some of you wonder where the blessing of God is in your life. Some of you wonder why it feels like there's, there's situations in your life that are frustrating or that you can't move past or that are difficult in your finances or maybe even in your relationships, even your walk with God. And you wonder, why can't I break through in this place? And the reality is it may be one of the first places you need to check is have you been obedient in this area of giving? Because God wants to bless you, but the way that he can bless you, the path that he has designed is that with your giving, you put God first that you start in that place, because you can't outgive him. And when you begin in that place, scripture says it, it opens you up to receive his blessing. Okay, with that in mind, let, let's move on then to this next root. The, the first kind of one of our core values is this idea of God first. The second one that we talk about is that people are the priority. That what's most important to us outside of our relationship with God is how God wants us to love other people. This comes from who God is himself. He's a giver, he is a lover. How do you know? Probably the most well-known scripture in the Bible, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Because God loves, he gives. And he loves people more than anything. He's made people the priority. And understand this, if he's blessed you, and let's start to talk outside the realms of just your finances, in any way, with, a, with an ability, with a resource of some kind. If God has blessed you, he's blessed you to be a blessing from, from the very beginning. Look at what it says about and to God's people. Genesis chapter 12, verse three. It says, I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. I want to say thank you as a church because when you give, not just to the tithe, but when you give in other ways, when you give to missions, when you give to the Life Change Initiative, you give us the opportunity to bless people. Let me give you a couple of examples. Many of you, and and I would encourage you to pray about this, that that first way that we give is through our tithe, that, that first 10%. And then oftentimes we give over and above that first 10% to missions, That's how we give to see the gospel go around the world. And we partner with over 100 missionaries and ministries around the world. Last year, you gave over $300,000 to missions during a pandemic. That's pretty good, isn't it? Yeah, we celebrate that. 
Over 31,000 of that was just during the Christmas in the 419 to bless our community. And you might say, well, what, what does that money do? Most of it goes to people because people are the priority. And we invest that money in missionaries who are serving on, on continents and countries around the world and here in the United States to support the work that God has called them to do. And then some of it is able to go to some unique projects. I can't give you the details of, of person or country because it's in a very sensitive part of the world. But in the last year, we were contacted by a missionary who lives in a war-torn part of the world. And we have a special relationship here at Calvary. And he said, look, I've kind of got the opportunity of a lifetime. There's a war going on and people have been displaced and their families are struggling. And there's a local church that's nearby that because of the religious tensions, they've never been able to make inroads into this community. But we believe this war is gonna give us this opportunity. And we'd like to just help to meet their needs and take them some food. Can Calvary help? And so because of your giving, we were able to send money immediately to partner with them and another organization. And that local church that had been viewed with disdain in the community was able to feed 400 families and make inroads and share the gospel with people who hadn't heard it before. And that all happened in another country in a war-torn part of the world because there were faithful people in Northwest Ohio who said, we will give and believe that that's gonna be a blessing. That's awesome, isn't it? Like you did that as God worked through you. If you remember last February, we launched what we called the Life Change Initiative. And many of you have been so faithful to give as we've looked forward to how we can reach more people. At that time, you remember we had a lot of people in one place at one time. Anybody remember that? A long time ago? And our plan is to expand our facilities by building a new auditorium. We continue to pray about that as you continue to give to that on a monthly basis. Our leadership reviews our plans. We're asking a lot of questions. When's the right time? When's the time with financial wisdom to move forward? We're also asking questions about are there adjustments we have to make to the facility to the seating, to how we're gonna do ministry and praying and asking the Holy Spirit to help us to know when's the right time for us and the Holy Spirit's leading in peace to move forward in this. And we'll talk more about this in the days ahead as we get closer to our annual business meeting that's coming up in March. But it's all revolving around this. We believe that we do these things, we give to these things, to missions, to seeing the vision of the church move forward because there's too many lost people and to God, people are the priority. It's what matters first. So, so let's go then to the third root. This is the third thing that we talk about as a church that really matters to us. It's, it's kind of a principle that we hold on to. And we believe this, that healthy things grow. That if something is healthy, then it's gonna continue to grow and develop. That's gonna be true about your faith. It's gonna be true about how you live in your relationship with God. And here's maybe a, a stewardship or a discipleship thought for you. Few things, if we're talking about your spiritual growth, few things say more about your spiritual health than your bank account. I can tell a lot about your relationship with God by the things you do with your money. So the question is, as a steward, have you ever become lazy in that? Have you ever stopped thinking about how God has called you in that? And are you open? And, and, I think this goes far beyond your, your, your wallet, your finances. 
Are you open to entrusting the things that you have to God? Let me show you two biblical principles. One comes out of Luke chapter 12, verse 48. Jesus says, from everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. I call this the responsibility principle. That if God has entrusted something to you, then you have a responsibility to care for it. I I remember when we found out that Rhonda and I were expecting our first child. She was doing more of the expecting, but I was a part of it, right? And I remember things started to change all of a sudden. Like it was just, just kind of fun. And, you know, we didn't need much when it was just the two of us. And then all of a sudden we find out there's going to be another little Gilligan around. And I looked at the place that we were living and I said, we're, we're going to need a bigger place. We didn't have it in that tiny little place where we live. We're, we're, we're going to put a baby And I started thinking about the job that I had. And I thought, I got to get a real job now. (laughs) Like there were a lot of things that had to change because of what I was being entrusted with. It changed my whole perspective because I had new responsibility. Sometimes what happens is I stop growing. I stop holding on to this idea and this principle of, of healthy things grow. And I stop realizing that God has entrusted things to me, my family, where I work, what I do, my relationships, my finances. And I need to realize that if God has entrusted those things to me, there's a responsibility that comes with those things. And I need to carry out that responsibility of honoring him with the things that he's given to me, which takes us then to this next principle. It it ties right in. This is also from Jesus. It comes from Matthew chapter 25, Verse 23, this is what we call the parable of the talents. And if you're familiar with the story, you know that God uh, tells us this story about these individuals that were entrusted with things and asked to do something with them. And we, we read this, his master replied, well done and good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Do you see this connection? When you're faithful, when you have a responsibility, the responsibility principle, right? And you're faithful with those few things, then God can put you in charge of many things. Later in the story, it says this in verse 29. It tells us, for whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. And whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. This is what I would call the faithfulness principle. That if you have responsibility and you're faithful with that, because of your faithfulness, God can take your few and he can make it many. He can take the the little that he's entrusted to you and then entrust you with more. When God sees your faithfulness, there's more that he can entrust to you. So this is a part of this whole idea of blessing. That if you wanna have blessing in your life, and for many of you, the reason you wanna be blessed is to be a blessing to others, it starts when you see the responsibility that you have and you're faithful with those things. Now, some of you, though, reach a point sometimes, I've been there, where you say, God, I've been faithful, but I just don't see that multiplication. (laughs) I don't see that exponential blessing. I don't see all those things that I thought I would see. What do you do in those moments when you've done your best to be responsible and you've done your best to be faithful and you just haven't seen that blessing? There's a story that's told about when Theodore Roosevelt had been doing some big game hunting on the continent of Africa. And when it was time for him to come home, he boarded a ship 
They rolled out the red carpet. There were crowds all over. People were cheering. When he got on the boat, he had the finest suite, the best food. He was constantly the center of attention. People wanted to be around this great man. And at the same time he boarded the boat, there was an old man who boarded. He was a missionary. He'd spent his life in Africa. He had given decades to telling others about Jesus. Now his wife was dead, his children were gone, and he was coming back to America. He was old, he was worn out. And when he got on the boat, no one cheered, no one applauded, no one gathered around him. They never even noticed. When the ship docked in the United States, Theodore Roosevelt got off the boat and again, they rolled out the red carpet. There was cheering, there was celebrating, there was pomp and glory and, and there were all these people to meet and, and welcome him home. When the old man got off the boat, no one was there. No one noticed, no one cared. And he got into that town and went to a small little hotel and found a place to stay for the night. And the story says that that night, the missionary knelt by the side of his bed, and here's his prayer. Lord, I'm not complaining, but I just don't understand. I gave my life for you in Africa, but it seems that no one cares. There was no one to greet me, no one to encourage me when I came home. Lord, I don't understand. And the way that missionary told the story is as he knelt there, it almost, in his spirit, he sensed, like God put his hand on his shoulder and whispered to that old tired missionary, my son, you're not home yet. You're not home yet. Look, and we're called to invest in things that we might not always see the blessing immediately. We're called to invest in things that are eternal because we believe that God is doing things even beyond what we see, which is why our, our last route here is that we get to do this. We get to do this. We get to be a part of God's kingdom. We get to be a part of the work that he's doing. We get to invest, not just with our time and energy and as we serve and share our faith, but even with our finances. God has invited us to be a part of something that we might not ever see how big it is until we finally get home, but that he's invited us to invest in his kingdom. Look at what scripture says. Acts chapter 20, verse 35. In everything I did, Paul says, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak, remembering the words that the Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. We get to do this. We get to be a part of giving and watch what God does. Can I encourage you with this, especially if you feel weary or frustrated? Proverbs 11.25 says, a generous person will prosper and whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. The message version says it in this way. It says, the one who blesses others is abundantly blessed. Those who help others are helped. And I would encourage you I challenge you to be a person who's a giver. That we look at what really matters and identify that it's all about putting God first, that people are the priority, that with responsibility and faithfulness, we watch as healthy things grow and we celebrate the fact 
that we get to do this. And you'd say, why is giving so important? Why do we talk about this so much? Why, why is this something that we stress? Because we have a God who loves us. He's a God who's a giver. That's why we're gonna come to the Lord's table here in just a moment. In just a moment, the worship team's gonna come and help us as we prepare for this time. And as we do, I want you to realize something. And I don't know if any of you are guilty of this. I, I have been guilty of this from time to time. Are there any re-gifters in the crowd? Like at Christmas, maybe something comes your way. You look at that, somebody gives it to you and they're watching you, they're looking in your eyes to see if you like it and you look at it and you just say, oh, that's really nice. And then under your breath, you go, for someone else. And you re-gift it. You take something somebody gave that you didn't really want and, and then you pass it off and you give it to somebody else. And look, sometimes that's actually good stewardship. It's not necessarily a bad thing in, in, in a lot of different ways. But understand this, we serve a God who is not a re-gifter. He's a God who gives the very best. And that's what it means when we talk about what he did for us, how Jesus came for us, when we come to this point and share in communion. And you know, this message was, was kind of a unique one, talking about some very practical things when we talk about our giving. And I know for some of us, it's a, it's a conversation that's a little uncomfortable. For others of us, it's, it's a conversation that we share because we know how important it is. But can I tell you, it comes from the heart of a God who is a giver. Now, I really sense that as I was preparing for this message, that when we came to this moment of communion, it was important for you to know that that the reason God asks you to give is because if you wanna look like God, <laughs> you give like God because he's a God who loves you so much and a God who wants to give so freely to you. He's a God who has given his very best. And as we come to the Lord's table, there are some of you who, who wonder, where's that love in my life? Where's that hope in my life? Maybe you're facing a tough season. Maybe this is a difficult time. And he, as we come to the Lord's table, I want you to be reminded of what God did for you. That he sent his one and only son, Jesus. If you are a parent, you know how powerful that thought is. That he sent his only son to be sacrificed, to be spent for you. And that Jesus came and gave his life so that you could have eternal life. We'll talk about Jesus as our savior. That means he's the one who forgives our sins. And we talk about him as our Lord because he's the one who gives our life meaning and purpose. And maybe in this moment, you've never made that decision. Or maybe at one point, you, you, you kind of had a relationship with God, but you, you've since kind of moved away from that. But even before we come to the Lord's table, can I tell you that there's forgiveness and there is hope and there's a purpose and it can be found in Jesus Christ. So maybe even right now is a moment where you would just simply say, Jesus, I give you my life. I give you everything that I have, everything that I am. It belongs to you. I need you as my savior and my Lord. I give you my life. When we come to the Lord's table, Paul gives us instruction. It's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 
He says, so then whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. So can I encourage you, maybe right where you are, would you bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment, whether you're in this room or you're, you're listening to this or watching this somewhere else. And before we come to the Lord's table, would you examine your own heart? Would you stop and take a look inside? Is there anything or place where you need to say, Jesus, I need your forgiveness. God, I need your grace. Lord, this attitude or this action, these words, Lord, I ask your forgiveness in this moment. Maybe it's something that you've been holding on to for this season and you just need to release that care or that worry to him. But just to in this moment say, Jesus, I ask your forgiveness. I give you my life. I'd ask you to take the bread in your hand with me if you would, please. Paul says, for I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And Father, we thank you for the bread. It's a symbol of how you allowed your son to be given for us. Jesus, how your body was broken so that our lives could know forgiveness and hope, purpose, and meaning. Jesus, we thank you for your salvation. We remember your sacrifice as we share in the bread together. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's share in the bread together. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Father, we thank you for the cup that represents the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Lord, before we share in this cup, we take a minute and thank you for what it means. That because of Jesus' shed blood, there is forgiveness. And Lord, some of us in this moment, we need to ask for your forgiveness. The enemy would like for us to be condemned and, and, and feel worthless. And yet, Jesus, you say that I give you hope and forgiveness. So we not only thank you for it, we receive it in this moment. And Lord, some of us need healing today. We need physical healing in our bodies. We need emotional healing in our minds. Some of us today, God, just feel so broken, and tired and weary. And we need to be reminded that you are our healer because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And that Jesus, because of your blood, there's hope. There's freedom. 
we have a promise to hold on to. We know that you've been faithful in the past and that you're a God who will be faithful in the future. And that's all been sealed, that promise, because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's share in the cup together. We're gonna close out our time together today as the worship team leads us in a song that we sang earlier about God's faithfulness and his promises. No better time to sing that than we remember what he did for us through his death and resurrection. If you're in this room, I'd invite you to stand. And if you're at home and you can, I'd invite you to stand as well. Take on a posture of worship in this moment. And as we think about how God asks us to give, we're reminded that he modeled that. He showed us what giving was all about. Father, we thank you for your faithfulness. Lord, we thank you for the the price that you paid Jesus and the gift, God, that you have given to us. Lord, as we worship you, as we're reminded of this, we remember how good you are. We remember your faithfulness today. In Jesus' name, amen. I put my faith in Jesus, my anchor to the ground, my hope and firm foundation. for your faithfulness. And Lord, it's with joy that we can give because we know we serve a faithful God, a God who loved us so much that he gave. 
Lord, we ask that the presence of your spirit and the words that we've heard from your scriptures today would stir something in our hearts and move in us to live our lives in a way that just shows who you are, that brings glory to Jesus and help others to see your faithfulness as well. God, would you help us to move through this week with your special favor and your wonderful peace in Jesus' name. Amen.